0: What is going on everyone welcome back to a podcast about New York sports Sam and Matt back at it again here after an absolutely electric divisional round we're recording this on Monday around five o'clock just going to give a lot of our you know not necessarily instant reactions but some of our thoughts on the games this weekend some of the results we'll look forward to the conference championship round and we'll obviously talk a little bit of Knicks here and there Uh, Matt's got a quite the story to tell I've been told so uh, Matt, Matt will have a story there regarding the Knicks. We'll talk about how they're doing and, you know, how they're honestly, very arguably one of the better teams New York has seen for a while right now, or at least one of the more fun teams, we'll say. So, uh, Matt, how you doing? The floor is yours. Please enlighten everyone to whatever story you, uh, you've you been alluding to. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm doing okay. Trying to deal with the cold lately, trying to keep up with the uh... – U.S. Open, for anyone interested, you get to see Djokovic and Fritz tonight at uh, 10.30 p.m., so uh, nice to not stay up to four to watch the Medvedev match or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll talk about the Knicks, but uh, I I almost had the privilege of attending that game against Toronto the other night. Um, I get a call late, probably 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, just a couple hours to tip off. Uh, I get a call from my cousin that his dad had gotten his hands on, two tickets to the Knicks Raptors game asked, you know, it, it, so he wanted to clear with me whether I could go uh, before my cousin had gotten the ticket transfer over. I said, yeah, I mean, this, this game is once in a lifetime. I, I don't care where we're sitting. Called me back 20 minutes later. He says, you're not going to believe this. We're in section three. We're about, you know, 10 to 15 rows off the court, something like that. And just unbelievable seats, which are, are tough to score for a Knicks game. So I go, that, that sounds unbelievable. So I go take a shower in the middle of the day. Um, I get ready. I'm amped up. And then I get a call from my aunt that he was involved in just a rough car accident. Uh, uh, He is okay. Unfortunately, you know, some minor injuries, but um, he had a rough night. And you could argue I had a worse night, you know, being that excited to be able to go to that game uh, for no monetary value. And that game gets ripped away from me. And, I, you know, I I guess he didn't have the – the wherewithal to hit the transfer button, you know, on Ticketmaster there, but um, you know, g- glad he's doing okay, and uh, just kind of bummed out I didn't get to be at that game. I mean,
0: Jalen Brunson had what thirty eight points. Yeah, he. Well, first of all, and to, to, let's talk about your story here for a second. Yes, Jalen Brunson is unbelievable. First of all, I think I would have ended the conversation with my. Uh, you said it was your aunt you were on the phone with. I would have ended the conversation with. Whatever you were talking about, and oh, by the oh, way, just yeah, that I, I get a call from her that the accident happened. Okay, but I I still would have been like, okay, but my ticket though. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I didn't and really so, know. I, you know, it's
1: there, there was an ambulance involved here, so it was very tough for me to be like. So, are you just going to let those two seats be vacated tonight?
0: <laughs> Did you <laughs> let me ask you this? Did you while uh, watching the game? Did you happen to notice said seats vacated?
1: <laughs> no, I, I, you know, unfortunately, I don't get to watch many Nick games lately. But um,
0: oh yes, I'm yes, sure are, you yeah, could
1: have yes. seen those seats, and they were probably vacated by, uh, or they were probably
0: filled by, uh, perhaps you know, relatives who've moved on. Wow, uh, or maybe they just found a third person, and the whole accident thing is fake. You know what? That I'm gonna have to look into that. You might go back and watch the uh, the replay of the Knicks game. Go look for them. Maybe they'll be like they'll just be like there, like hiding almost. Yeah, I might have to cut hiding this episode so short and go watch that game back. Yeah, there you go. But uh, <laughs> yeah, other than other than that misfortune, uh, the Knicks are the most exciting team in town. Obviously, you know, Jets and Giants seasons over. Uh, Devils kind of falling to the wayside a little bit. I think the Islanders made a coaching change again. Not not big hockey guys, but I think the Islanders fi- fired their coach, if I'm not mistaken. Well, are you, you familiar you with the that? The Islanders head coach. I'm sorry?
1: I just I just wanted to give a formal thank you, Islanders head coach.
0: Yeah, I, again, I you couldn't pay me enough money to tell you who the Islanders' new coach is, but uh, I do believe they fired their coach. Um, and then, you know, the Rangers and the Devils kind of been uh, slipping up of late. So the Knicks are the most impressive team in town. And rightfully so. I mean, Jalen Brunson, uh, I go on, and I don't know if anyone, any of our listeners have, have noticed this on some of the Knicks uh, Instagram posts, but every time they post the Jalen Brunson highlight, I'm on the podcast page and I comment, best point guard in the East, best point guard in the East, best point guard in the East. And I really think he is. And, and like, he, I saw a stat today uh, just kind of comparing him to Jason Tatum. And, obviously, we, we give Jason Tatum all his flowers, and he's a great player, obviously. But – in terms of, you know, comparing Tatum to Jalen Brunson, uh Jalen Brunson is behind Tatum in points per game by 0. .2. He has uh, – Tatum obviously has the rebound advantage. He, he has a six-inch height advantage. And blocks per game, Tatum only gets 0. .3 more per game than Jalen Brunson. So uh, – and then all, all things other than those, Jalen Brunson is ahead of Jason Tatum. So if you want to say that Jason Tatum is like, you know, the the – You can say the arguable best player in the East. You can say Jalen Brunson is right in that conversation and he drops 41 night. He dropped 38 the night that uh, you couldn't go. We'll say Uh, and he's just unbelievable. And I think that he won't win the MVP, but in terms of true value to a team, I mean, the difference when Jalen Brunson's on the court, when he's not is this is a totally different team and it uh everything flows through him on offense even on defense he's out there taking charges he he's unbelievable and he's just an easy guy to root for no yeah um real quick I
1: do have to insert just so any hockey heads don't come after us um I didn't realize the Islanders new head coach is Patrick Waugh and uh Sam did say a moment ago that you couldn't pay us to know who the new coach was uh, I just want to let everyone know we are respecters of Legendary goaltender's Patrick Law's, uh work in the NHL, and uh, say, we we retract our statement.
0: Don't group me into that. You can take what? that for yourself. <laughs> you said that I, said, I was trying to pull you out of it. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm cool being in it.
1: Oh, okay. So you don't you don't want to walk it back with me?
0: Okay. No. Yeah. You can t- walk it back yourself. I still I couldn't tell you what Patrick Law did once in his life. You can, <laughs> Patrick Walk could walk into my house right now, and I'd ask him what he's doing here. You know what I, I just as long as this isn't on me anymore I'm cool with it. You could dig it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. You could you could take it. That's fine. You know, yeah, yeah. you can take yourself out of it, but I'll I'll stay in it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I although, you know, let's be honest here. I I knew that the Islanders fired their coach. You did not. So That's true. So we're, we're we're even in my eyes. But back to the Knicks. Any any thoughts on the Knicks? I know you really don't get to watch so much given your unfortunate uh, cable or streaming platform uh, misfortune, but any thoughts on the Knicks or what you've liked? No, I mean I just think they've
1: them? I think they've been terrific, and you know I, I did kind of keep up with the Raptor game, just kind of almost hoping they'd lose because I didn't get to go, you know. So I kept up yeah. with that game. I don't think we see them in
0: action again until when? Uh, they play the Nets tomorrow night, as a matter of fact, which is oh, okay. uh, the Nets awesome. in in Brooklyn, which uh, really uh it's a it's a TNT game it's actually uh, a rivals week, rivals week in the NBA right now. So uh, I believe that starts this week. So I guess they're pointing the Knicks and Nets out to be quote unquote rivals. Right. Yeah. Um, they're trying, they've
1: been trying to build that up for years. Uh, it's yeah. Not really taking though,
0: but no, I mean the Knicks have been unbelievable. They've been fun
1: and uh, you know, they were held to an expectation before the season of, you know, they could potentially be a top four seed in the East. And, you know, I, I don't even think they've just lived up. I think that they're kind of uh, setting the expectations even higher. So, you really couldn't ask for anything more right now.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it's great just – I mean, they're – I always said, you know, when the Warriors are at their height and, the you know, the best teams are at their height of their, you know, dynasties or whatnot. And I'm not calling the Knicks a dynasty by any stretch, obviously. They haven't won a thing. But in terms of, like, they're, you know, playing good basketball versus just being a good basketball team or having good players, the Knicks just play good basketball. And, and I tell this to – my dad doesn't watch – a lot of basketball, right? But he, you know, and his favorite. You probably know people that are, you know, older, probably our parents' age or so, that are they always say, "Oh, you know, I don't like basketball anymore. There's no defense. There's no this. They don't play the game the same way. Bob, everyone yeah. just shooting. The Knicks play basketball great. They play a very good brand of basketball that is just honestly, I think, is to to someone that actually likes to watch. You know, not necessarily an older style game, but a more like uh, traditional, very well run, very well coached and organized sort of team basketball. I think the Knicks do that very well, and, and just yeah, a they're, they're, they're extremely well balanced. Yeah, but do, I, know, I, honestly, does that lead I'll to championships? I don't know. Back, uh, I'll, I'll let me walk back a little to some of my statements on thibs. I was actually looking back at some of our old podcast clips. And I was I was low on Tibbs, you know, even early last year and whatnot. But he he's totally proven me wrong. And, and the the only thing I'll say about him is my my stance on him was that I think that it's hard to win in the NBA when you're not necessarily offensively focused. Um, but I think there's a way to win where if you get guys that are all bought into a system and you you're able to have your hands on on picking the players that are in that system like Tibbs seemingly has now with the addition of OGN and OB and getting rid of RJ and Emmanuel quickly. Uh, it seems like Thibs is building this how he wants it. And uh, not for nothing, it's working so far. And I, I would love to see them. I mean, I think the Knicks are they're either like the five seed right now. It's very, the East is very, very much clumped together, but the Knicks should make the playoffs. They should find themselves in a playoff series. And uh, this will be a big year for them. And I'll be honest. I think if I'm one of these other teams in the East, I don't want a first round matchup against the Knicks because you get a a hot Knicks team that just is healthy. Maybe they add around the edges here. I mean, you got guys like Bruce Brown who are essentially begging to play for the Knicks. Did you see that? Did you see any of those reports about Bruce Brown? I'm sorry. One more time. Bruce Brown had what? He, he almost without saying, please put me on the Knicks said the other night, he said something like, uh, well, let me backtrack. Bruce Brown, Uh, recently got traded from the Pacers to the Raptors in the Siakam trade. And when they played the Knicks the other day, someone asked him like after the game or something like something about the Knicks. And he went out and said, yeah, I'm a Thibodeau guy. Thibs would love to have me (laughs) or something like that. Like pretty much lobbying for himself to be on the Knicks. Right. No, I hadn't.
1: But yeah, Yeah, he said, I guess I can do just about whatever Thibodeau
0: needs. Yeah. Yeah. And anything you want coach. I'm sorry, the other coach, (laughs) but like, yeah, no. So, but I think that's, it's indicative of, I think what the Knicks are building here is, is something of value. And I think that the, the problem that the Knicks have and, and, you know, you can argue Jalen Brunson, I'll I'll obviously say he's the best point guard of the East. I'll I'll say it until the end of the season, but he's still not, you know, at the end of the day, he is undersized and undersized players, unless you're Steph Curry, find it very, very hard to have success in this league. And I, I think the Knicks are truly one piece away, uh, one one solid piece away from really, really being a viable contender here. And I think that they're right on the fringe, though. Like, this is the closest that they've been to, you know, real contender since, like, the mellow Stoudemire days, I'd say.
1: Yeah, and it starts with the, uh, you know, we, we have the Donovan Mitchells and now the Bruce Browns. You know, it, I, I guess it doesn't really matter who it is saying that players want to play for the Knicks now.
0: Yeah, ex- that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, you know, people are – there was uh, a few years back, you know, when when it was just Randall and, uh, you know, before pre-Jalen Brunson, we'll say, there was kind of like a stigma around the Knicks that were like, you know, yeah, they're okay, and Julius Randall will, will lead you to the playoffs and will lead you to be around that 500, you know, 8 seed area. But I, I don't know how much people are really, you know, craving the glitz and glam of, of New York and everything. But I think that the Knicks kind of have resorted back to – a very like '90s style of ball that I think is it, it resonating throughout the entire league. And I think that there's going to be guys that you might not expect that would love to play for the Knicks in the style of basketball that they play. And I think that any sort of success that the Knicks have is only going to just better their situation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, all I really had say about the Knicks, I mean, it's still, we're still almost at, uh, not even at the trade deadline. So we'll have a lot more, you know, trade talk, We'll have a lot more, uh, just this that, and and we'll obviously the NBA is I always say is the big drama show. So there's going to be some sort of major drama headline around the league that we'll have to cover eventually. So uh, as that as we get that, we'll we'll cover the Knicks a little bit closer. But I think the main focus of the show today has to be the football that we watched this weekend. I mean. Well, obviously the main event, the, the Chiefs-Bills is what we're going to focus most of our time on, but I definitely want to hit on each of these games. So I think the easiest way to do this, just go one by one. I mean, we could start Saturday, uh, Texans-Ravens, Ravens winning 34-10. to 10. Um, I don't know, give me some of your thoughts. I was just wildly impressed by the Ravens in this game.
1: Yeah, I think this was, you know, if you really looked at all these other games, Uh, This was kind of the one throwaway that you weren't really, uh, you know, biting your nails until uh, until the end of the game. Um, And I think that just speaks to the Ravens really solidifying themselves. We said it on the last show. It kind of felt like the Texans were, you know, in the realm of happy to be there. And uh, it sort of felt like that. I, I think the Ravens kind of in the second quarter were able to put this game away. And I think we both expected that. But uh, I just think every time we see a performance like this from Lamar Jackson and from the Ravens, it's just a, a further indication that, like, they're, they're truly a
0: juggernaut. They're, they're unbelievable. And, and their defense, I mean, C.J. Stroud is – I don't want to take anything away from C.J. Stroud. It's, he obviously got a very tough draw in playing, having to go to Baltimore to play the uh, MVP of the league in Lamar Jackson on, you know, in his first road playoff game. After, again, after a huge – we spoke last week about how, you know, for some of these teams they're just kind of happy to be there. I think the Texans could have lost last week and been ha- been just happy to have been there. The fact that they win, they were going into Baltimore to play the Ravens. I mean, this was – the game I think was a lot closer than 34-10. But, I, you know, in the fourth quarter the Ravens put up 17. For most of this game, you know, first half it's 10-10, right? And then the Ravens just absolutely started cooking in the second half. Um, I don't think things. the game felt close, though I mean, at half it did It was 10-10, I had to feel close
1: I guess, but like You know when the Jets are tied with a team and you're like So what? That's all kind of what it felt like to me yeah, I mean, the Jets don't
0: have CJ Stroud, though That's true, and that's so. really
1: the sole reason If you're the Texans, you feel great about any result this year I mean, to have found CJ Stroud is That's kind oh, of yeah. like You kind of checked off the only box you had this year
0: Oh yeah, uh, for I mean, definitely the the if the Jets go t- into next or you know two years from now again, let's presume Rogers is the quarterback. In two years from now, if you're going to tell me that the Jets found their quarterback and he's a stud, I mean, I don't care what happens in the two years leading up to that. You know what I mean? No, I, I don't really care
1: about the next four years.
0: <laughs> but, what, topic for another day. But <laughs> as as for this, the uh, I mean, C.J. Stroud, look, he's a great player. I just think I don't want to say the moment was too big for him, but I just think that the, the Ravens are just unbelievable. I mean, on defense, they are solid everywhere. Kyle Hamilton, the secondary, who's like – he looks like a basketball player out there playing football. He's like 6'4", and he's just like all – his arms literally hang down like to the floor almost. He's such a lanky dude that gives so many people problems that – you, I mean, he's a key guy to watch. A few weeks back when, when the Ravens played the 49ers and they played that game, there was a play – uh, I'll I'll send it to you if you don't if you don't remember it but there was a play where there was like a safety blitz with Hamilton uh and the Ravens blitzed he gets to Purdy gets axed. Purdy gets out of the pocket uh Kyle Hamilton is being blocked and he's on the ground Purdy's scrambling around he goes left scrambles back right and Kyle Hamilton intercepts the pass after blitzing it's all he's unbelievable to watch I mean if you want to for anyone listening, if you want to, obviously, Lamar versus Mahomes is the big storyline, and we'll obviously get into that in a later episode this week. But if you want to key in on someone on the Ravens defense, watch Kyle Hamilton. He's unbelievable. So, so You see a lot just- of those
1: plays pop up on Twitter from, like, high school games only, where, like, some guy will, like, blitz, and they sort of have a, a read in the film on the other team, and they just kind of, on a, you know, as they're running, will pick off the ball. You don't really see yeah. that on the uh, professional level.
0: No, it's 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 absolutely incredible. He's really honestly a matchup kind of nightmare for offenses because you know you, he's probably the tallest guy on the, on the defense, and you put him on your tallest receiver, and he's gonna he's able to read a play like that. He's he's really special to watch. I, I highly recommend even just going back and watching this Ravens game. I thought in the second half he was absolutely dominant. Uh, I mean the whole defense in the second half was absolutely dominant. And I think they held C.J. Stroud to like. Twenty yards, but you're right. You said it yourself, the Ravens are a juggernaut. Lamar's the MVP. I, I there's really nothing more I can really say. I mean, they they have the the, the running attack. Justice Hill is uh, is has been great for them, both receiving and running. Uh, Gus Edwards has been like their complimentary power back. Uh, I mean, their their receivers step up. Zay Flowers had a nice game. Uh, they're going to get Mark Andrews back, whether it's this week or if they make the Super Bowl, probably the Super Bowl. Isaiah likely is a weapon there. And then to top it all off, if you're a defense, Lamar sometimes just has plays where he just you just cannot tackle the guy.
1: No, and that's what's going to lead to success against a team like the 49ers who are just so excellent in coverage. Um, And we'll be able to get to that. But it it feels like all year with the Ravens we were like, you know, this might be, let's say, the 49ers of, of the AFC. And then they punch the 49ers in the mouth. And now they've been the most dominant team for weeks, and now you're starting to, like, scratch your head and be like, oh, is this my Super Bowl pick, you know? So. Yeah,
0: no, you're right. And it's it's crazy that, you know, here's the thing, though, and I don't want to get too ahead because, obviously, we'll, we have more games to, to kind of talk about. But in terms of, you know, just being, you know, talking about the elite quarterbacks in the league, I mean, you got you're going to get Mahomes versus Lamar, who I think, you know, Lamar I think at the end of the season ended with, Here's a lock to win the MVP. Lamar is the MVP of the the, uh, regular season. But the problem that the the Ravens are going to have, I think, is, you know, not only is this game obviously, this upcoming game, obviously to go to the Super Bowl, but you you find yourself losing a game against – you're going to be home, right, against the Chiefs. You find yourself losing another playoff game, and you lose to Mahomes, and you can't get over that hump of getting to the Super Bowl, which seems to have been the Ravens' biggest issue in the Lamar Jackson era. I mean you're they're going to find themselves right back in the conversation of okay maybe they're just a regular season team and okay you know maybe they just got lucky a lucky draw with the Texans uh having to go to Baltimore with a rookie quarterback right i mean well, i'm just drawing just drawing out the narrative now
1: you know i think that this is probably something that we'll be able to circle back to because like will the will the ravens feel like that to you if that were to happen next week or is it really just going to feel like Patrick Mahomes is just unavoidable, unavoidable, and what else were you supposed to do?
0: It's a good question, but I think that, you know, there's – that would just – if let me put it this way. I think if the Ravens lose to the Chiefs, you just kind of have to put Lamar in the, the Burrow-Allen category yeah, 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 yeah. of just Mahomes' sons. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, like, you know, and they said yeah. it last night before the game, before the Chiefs-Bills game, uh, you know, or one of the intro broadcast might have been Romo, I think, that said this, but he said in order to be the man, you have to beat the man. And right now, the man is of the AFC is Patrick Mahomes. And until, you know, just like it was for, for Brady and Peyton, like I said, it was 100 percent right, by the way, uh, just like Mahomes is the or Brady was the top dog in the AFC for his career. Mahomes is the top dog until someone else dethrones him. And yeah. I think if you're Lamar Jackson and you have the opportunity to do so at home with this team and this defense, I don't really know of a, that he's going to get a better shot than this is kind of what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. This is kind of, yeah, this is it. This is yeah, the biggest so game of Lamar Jackson's NFL career, no doubt. A
0: hundred percent agree. And then as for the Texans, I mean, you're right. You're They got their quarterback obviously they're they're. I think they were very deserved to be in the playoffs. I mean, they essentially played, you know, must win games the entire stretch of the regulars down the stretch of the regular season. So that was, you know, very much impressed by them and their whole staff. I mean, uh, they'll be back next year and I would, I'll probably take them to win their division, honestly, with the, you know, what we've seen out of Trevor Lawrence this year that obviously I wasn't impressed with Trevor Lawrence ever, but, the fact that he took a step back this year and the Jaguars took a step back this year. I I think I'll take the Texans to win that division again next year, uh, assuming that they just kind of retool. But Yeah, I think CJ Stroud might
1: like kind of take the place of what we thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be, you know, because I think we sort of have the training wheels on him as a rookie, you know, but I mean, next year he starts playing in some key games. We're going to start talking about him in those same sort of sentences with, you know, the Lamars, the Allens. Like, I, I think that's his trajectory. So.
0: Yeah, and, they're, and I think that they're – it's kind of tough for me to say because obviously everyone said this probably about the Jaguars and their division, but you'd have to assume that the Texans are only just going to get better this offseason. It's not like they're going to – they have any, you know, huge free agents like like the Bucs, right? We'll, we'll talk about the Bucs in a minute, but the Bucs have to make a huge decision on free agents this offseason and whether or not they want to – you know, do you re-sign Baker and you give him a contract? Do you re-sign Mike Evans? The Texans don't really have too many big – kind of question marks this off season. so no, a lot of their guys young talent, down. loaded with it yeah and they're they're in a prime spot here so uh, again Texans happy to be here great that you got some playoff experience and a playoff win under CJ Shroud's belt uh so you know all all impressed by them let's hop over to the Saturday night game uh 49ers 24 to 21 Debo Samuel gets hurt very early on in this game and uh, the first thing I'll say about this game is Win, lose, or draw, I was not impressed by the 49ers.
1: No, not at all. I mean, we were talking sort of pre show saying, I kind of felt like Green Bay deserved to win that game.
0: Yeah, and I thought Jordan Love played, you know, you forget about the stats, just looking at, you know, watching the game and kind of just watching, you know, what kind of unfolded. Obviously, that last throw there by Jordan Love across, the, across his body, across the middle of the field late, when he could have had a, you know, a career defining drive, I guess you can say, obviously yeah, it's not a good look. Let's talk about that play because I mean, yeah.
1: as soon as they're kind of getting the ball back, I texted you like, you know, something like legacy moment for Jordan love loading. And then, you know, if you really think back to that far play with the Vikings where he throws it across his body and, uh, you have the great uh, Vikings announcer who has the, the famous, you know, this ain't Detroit, man, this is the Super Bowl, even though it wasn't yeah. the Super Bowl, just kind of. I mean, you think of how many times you've seen that play. This is one of those plays for Jordan Love, and, I mean, I'm already seeing it back-to-back with the Favre throw that you're going to see for a long time. So that's that's really a stinker because of how just how well he's played the last several weeks and in the playoffs and, you know, almost dethroning san francisco in the nfc but uh i mean that throw right there man i mean we can get into the whole game but that throw is gonna live on and uh yeah they're, they're gonna have to redeem that
0: yeah they said uh someone on twitter said that uh for one play the ghost of brett Favre took over for jordan love yeah yeah in that one play and, and it, look I, i'm i'm absolutely i was so impressed by what i saw at jordan love this entire playoffs the entire, you know, last stretch of the season, I heard a stat that he was like he had the best QBR in the NFL since week 10. Uh, so finish the season strong, wins a playoff game. Uh, and, you know, obviously, he, you know, he runs into it again. Just like I said about Stroud, you know, I I still consider Jordan Love, you know, like a pseudo rookie, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he obviously has been a league for a, a few years now, but he's relatively new to being, a, uh, you know, having his own team. And, you know, you run into a team like the 49ers, who a lot of people probably still have as their Super Bowl favorites, and you almost come out with a win. You know, obviously, you know, you had the ball in your hands at the end of the game with an opportunity to win the game. I think if you told Packers fans that going into the game, they'd probably sign up for that. So, uh, especially being nine-and-a-half-point dogs. But, you know, just like we said about the, about the Texans, Packers are in a good spot. they got a, uh, a good young quarterback who has, has only got better throughout the season. They have, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, who much to your uh, dismay, absolutely just balled out the entire postseason and down the stretch. Um, and then, you know, your receivers, right? There's I think the best thing Jordan Love did in this game, it kind of does as a whole is, I mean, look how many people caught the ball. It was like 10 different people got caught a pass on uh, on Saturday in, that, uh, in, a, in a rainy game against the 49ers on the road. I mean, I was just wildly impressed by his ball distribution and how he's just able to, it's almost more so like a roster take of mine, but I think I like the idea of having like, you know, maybe you have one guy who who can kind of be your alpha per se, but having a bunch of like one B guys or one C guys, even isn't the worst thing in the world. Like a couple like three or four young hungry receivers that are just all good football players. That's kind of what the Packers have. And it, it works for them, and I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I feel like that's like a philosophy
1: debate, you know? Like, do I want my yeah, guys yeah. out there in, in rhythm with my quarterback or do I want interchanging pieces? You know, I feel like that's kind of a philosophy discussion. But yeah, now that we've talked about Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud, I feel like there's, with the way the position is being played now uh, and just the the way that the position's evolve, uh, evolved, I feel like you can kind of, project where these guys end up and sort of have comps for them whereas I can look at CJ Stroud and you know the athletic ability all things able to do and I can say you know I I think he's going to be compared to a Mahomes and a Josh Allen I think when I look at Jordan Love I think he could be a fantastic quarterback I think that you know his best is we're probably looking at like uh, like when Dak Prescott's at his best
0: interesting that that's an interesting comp um I think I mean, the problem with that to me is that I just think that Dak has always had, you know, a, a an elite guy there, and I feel like what we saw from Jordan Love is that he he didn't, and I think that that's the true. fact that you know, and that's I mean, other than that, I mean, as far as like you know, arm strength and and just kind of play style, yeah, I, I guess I could see that. That's it's not actually not bad at all, but in terms of just you know results and how they you know third and seven. Dak's first read is CD Lamb, always now, right? It's just is that's just how it is. But mm-hmm. I think that Jordan Love, at least early on, and, and look, we could see would it be the craziest thing in the world to see like a Devontae Adams Packers reunion with Jordan Love, which you know, theoretically, and maybe that's blasphemy. The, Don't say that. Uh sorry, but just coming out a name. But like, you know, could it could it be possible that when Jordan Love does have a true alpha and wide receiver one, that he actually does end up you know, not spreading the ball around as much, who knows? Again, more of a philosophy question, but I don't, I don't hate the Dak comparison.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what, speaking of Devontae Adams, it really is, and it's tough for me to say as a
0: Jets fan right now,
1: I think there's something to be said about, and I know he was banged up and all this about Jordan Love outperforming Aaron Rodgers the season after
0: while losing Devontae Adams. Like, I think that that speaks volumes. And now, and Aaron Rodgers was pretty much rooting for the Packers this entire season. Yeah, yeah, That's they're, a, that they're the guy with the Packers. Yeah, he's he's pseudo on the team still. Yeah, yeah, in a way. So, um it's. I mean, again, just like I said about the Texans, the Packers are they're just in a good spot, I think, and I think that they're only going to get better. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how you know where they add around the edges there. Uh I think they definitely can use some help on the defense. I think that the The kind of the consensus going into this week was that the Packers defense was like the the weakest unit of of all in terms of all defenses and all offenses. So I think that they can definitely use some uh, some help there on defense. Maybe I think I think that the Packers really need on defense, and just from maybe just from watching closely at you know the past couple of Packers games, but they need a they need a stud on the defensive line. If they got a stud on the defensive line, guys like Jair Alexander and the guys in the secondary there. Would only It would only benefit them. I think their secondary is good as it is. But if they got, you know, let's just say they sign whoever the biggest uh, defensive end fish is on the free agent market or even just draft a, a really good defensive end, I think that would very, very much behoove their defense. So I think that that's going to be a team to watch for any sort of defensive end there or any sort of defensive player, maybe even like a, some sort of pass rushing outside linebacker, because I felt like not necessarily Purdy, uh, but I just feel like th- there was some certain times where Purdy was just sitting back there. Pretty. There was even. Did you actually see? Uh, I don't know. I saw this morning. I don't know how you know viral it was. Quote, but someone posted a video of. Uh, again, it was raining during the game, so there was a play where Purdy drops back, has the ball, three step drop, wipes his hand on his thigh, puts the it ball did. back, spins, spins it again, and then yeah, makes it the did throw. Too. Like, so, I mean, if, if you're telling me that a guy's doing that against your defense, yeah. you might need a little yeah. bit more pressure.
1: Yeah, you know? really. No, yeah, you shouldn't be able to wipe your hands a couple of times.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, again, the Packers, wildly impressed by them. A lot of people probably wrote them off. We probably have some sort of verbiage in our podcast, where we probably wrote them off at some point yeah. during the year. So, uh, props to them for sure. We, we probably we'll wrote to- them off this past week on the podcast. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we were we were all on the 49ers. They, I mean, they the 49ers win, but yeah, don't yeah. cover. So uh, it was much, much closer to the game than many expected. Um, anything else in this game before we move on? Uh, no, I just, I think I come away really feeling like, you know, maybe
1: the 49ers are going to be in trouble, especially if Debo Samuel can't suit up.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, so again, I was going to kind of hold that until. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, we'll get to it
1: on the, you know, the preview episode, but. But yeah, you, I come away from this game feeling like they might be in trouble.
0: If you remember correctly, the when the 49ers had that really strange like three game losing streak uh, in the middle of the year or so this year. Do you remember that? Maybe yeah, towards the back. Debo half, wasn't playing. Debo wasn't playing. And I've said for a while, and I've said for you know, I don't want to say Debo is the MVP, Debo's this, but uh Debo is very, very key to that Shanahan offense and this the entire everything that the 49ers do. So, you know, the the fact that he's now, I believe the quotes today were that he's 50-50 to play on Sunday. If he doesn't play, and again, I'm not going to give my lean here, but if he doesn't play on Sunday, uh, I was not impressed by uh, by what I saw without him. So definitely yeah. the, that, that matchup will definitely be uh, dependent on Debo's status, in my opinion, at the least. So, uh, yeah, I would we'll, we'll, hope that's not gonna... a
1: game-time decision, man. Can we, can we
0: find out a couple of days before? Uh, well, Shanahan had a press conference, or like, you know, we we're just talking to reporters earlier today, and he said that he'll have much more clarity on the situation by Wednesday. Okay. Uh, so hopefully by Wednesday, we'll know. But he did say that he's about 50 50 right now. Honestly, though, like if you're 50 50 in the NFC Championship game, yeah, how are you, you not? Be- playing, you better. I play. didn't want to come out and say that. I don't know what the guy's doing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they said he did. He went for MRIs and imaging and whatnot, and they, they, uh, didn't find anything. I think they said, but they were still doing more tests to see because he was in still in a lot of pain. Um, so I mean, still still a lot to be seen there. But a lot of times, the game's not till Sunday, so uh, they actually get a whole extra day of rest relatively. Um, but uh, let's move on. Let's go to the Bucks Lions because this was another absolutely electric game that I think we a lot of us probably wrote off uh, the Bucks in this game, and you and I both were on the the Lions minus six and a half the The Buccaneers kind of just played a game where I feel like this was such a Baker Mayfield loss. Like, like it, the game kind of got out of hand here, out a hand there. He throws two interceptions, three hundred forty nine yards, three touchdowns. Like he had his good moments, and yeah, then he had like, a couple bad things.
1: Like it's hard for me to blame him. Like the highlight reel of of just you know this one game for Baker Mayfield. Like he kind of played his heart out, but.
0: Yeah, yeah that's, that's the thing, though. I mean, like, Baker Mayfield, like, everyone always says, yeah, Baker Mayfield's a dog. Baker, Baker Mayfield's a dog. And he is. I mean, even on, you know, a couple of the last drives there, he's he's getting hit in the backfield. How many times, now, I don't know if you, you recognize this or whatnot, but I'm watching this game, and the amount of times that there was just an absolute free rusher running at Baker Mayfield was outstanding yes. to me. Yeah, and the fact yeah, that the broadcast like, was all over that
1: too,
0: like there was like three or four times where there was just like no one block, like even Aiden Hutchinson, like how do you not block Aiden Hutchinson? How does that make yeah. sense? So, I mean, props to Baker for kind of standing in there. He he actually ends up being the the highest passer of the weekend. Uh, game flow obviously de- definitely very dependent on this. It was really weird in the first half of this game that Mike Evans had like a bad drop that led to an interception. He had like I think he had two drops in the first half, but then he ends with. Eight for one forty-seven and a touchdown—an absolute monster game.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. So uh it's it was a definitely an up and down game there from the Bucs. They're they're a team that you know on, on the reverse side of the Texans and the Packers, they've got a lot of tough choices to make. You know, I think I think the jury is kind of out on Todd Bowles, and that he, I think he's a good coach, right? I, I think that there's obviously some things that he does that, you know, he's definitely more defensive oriented than offensive oriented. I don't think that's a secret anymore, but I think that it would probably behoove the, the Bucks to, I don't want to say, you know, reform this offense, but I think they probably bring Baker back. They'll probably make Mike Evans a lifer. I mean, I don't think they're gonna trade him or, you know, yeah. just not bring yeah. him back. But it would be interesting to see, you know, what they do in terms of like, you know, do they do they try and add like another receiver outside of Mike Evans or because not for nothing? I mean, Godwin's good, but he just seems very inconsistent. Uh, and I think if they're going to bring back Baker and go all in on Baker, could they be in play for a big weapon that can kind well, of? Yeah, I mean that that's that's kind of the thing with them
1: is like this was the bridge year, but they still had Mike Evans. But you know, Baker was the bridge guy, and they kind of surprised themselves. So now you kind of look at them and you go, "There's there's a couple remnants from the Super Bowl team. We really surprised ourselves. We I mean we exceeded expectations, but these bridge guys that are here." do we see them as future pieces or are we going to ride this out? Like, I, I don't really know where their mindset
0: is. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, there's a world where they, they don't even bring back Baker. I don't think. Yeah. You know, if, if the opportunity comes about and then instantly Baker becomes, I mean, he probably earned himself another, you know, decent sized contract not for nothing. Yeah. He, he
1: was, he didn't have one this year. He's, he's, he is, he, he's up for a big beta.
0: Yeah. He, I mean, 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns. Uh, he he had a good season, all things considered, and he uh, I think he proved a lot of people wrong in the. Not I don't think he could win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield, but a team like I don't know. I'm just just kind of looking through the standings here, but like a team like the the Colts, right? Would they have been better off with Baker Mayfield or Gardner Minshew this entire year? Yeah, probably Baker Mayfield. We we yeah, might exactly. look at Baker Mayfield like let's say the Bucks don't re up on Mayfield.
1: I mean, we could start looking at him like you know, a Josh McCown or almost a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick type. I mean, this is like quite a few teams now, you know, you forget like the Panthers even happened. The Rams.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. He, he could be a guy that, you know, some of these teams that are, you know, maybe, I don't want to say like a quarterback away, but maybe think that, you know, getting a decent quarterback and a good system could potentially make them a, a real, you know, viable playoff team. Again, I, I think there's a lot of different avenues that we could talk about in terms of Baker Mayfield and the, uh, and the, the Buccaneers, but uh, anything, anything in terms of the Lions, uh, I thought the Lions are very impressive here. I think that, you know, Jared Goff looks when he's on, he just looks absolutely surgical. Uh, He got off to a little bit of a slow start. He ends up throwing the ball 43 times, which was a little confusing to me. I thought that they would have, you know, the, the Buccaneers whole thing was that Todd Bowles is going to bring the pressure and the first half, he definitely made it a little bit more uncomfortable for Jared Goff than I think, any of the lines really expected. But I thought that to to have Montgomery and to have Gibbs in the backfield and to kind of, you know, they only get a total of 19 carries between the two of them, uh, to me that that seemed like a little bit of I would have rather them establish the running game. And I thought that the, the couple of plays where they did establish the running game, like that, that long Gibbs touchdown, they had success. I, I, they just kind of got away from it. And I think that, you know, looking ahead here now until the 49ers game, but if they're going to beat the 49ers, they got to have a better and more sustainable run game. Yeah, and 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 I think they will. I think they will. I think they they opened this
1: game, and the script was to get surgical immediately. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they received to open the game, and uh, they threw it three straight times and and went three and out. I think that was just kind of their game plan, uh, and it didn't work right away and eventually it did and eventually the running game caught up and when they're both clicking at the same time the offense has really run brilliantly like it's a tough offense to stop uh i just think game plan wise they didn't have it all together at first and i think it was it was almost intentional uh i think against the 49ers we'll we'll see a different script
0: yeah and i think the 49ers are are definitely you know obviously a much much tougher matchup we'll say than the buccaneers i mean a lot of people just like we said about the uh About the Packers, a lot of people probably wrote off the Buccaneers, uh, us us probably guilty as well. But a lot of people probably wrote off the Buccaneers way earlier on in the season. So just very impressive to see them put it together. I mean, I'll give I'll give props to Todd Bowles. I thought that uh, they they had the the Lions in a tough spot multiple times in this game, and I think that on the road uh, in a playoff game, uh, an environment like that, like Detroit was absolutely rocking. I think it's really all you can ask out of your coach, right, to kind of get them on the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anything else on this game before we move on to our our main event of the weekend? No. This is kind of what I've been waiting to talk about all day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is – I said it, the drama, the Taylor Swift, the now Jason Kelsey, I guess, uh, Mahomes, Josh Allen, whatever, whatever avenue you want to look at this, so many different storylines. And the lore the Chiefs... too. You're
1: forgetting about the lore. I mean the wide right, the lore, it's crazy. Yeah,
0: it's it's so I'll say scripted, but obviously I know it's not scripted scripted, but it just seems like a it seems like a Netflix TV show that based on two guys that just are great quarterbacks. That's what it seems like. Yeah, you wanna you wanna open this up by talking about what we had talked about last
1: week and then you know, sort of the engagement we got with it as well because i mean we couldn't have hit the head on the nail more once again the nail on the head the nail
0: on, the head, is nail like
1: on the head i i will admit i i did succumb to the a little bit of the babanche before we got on here
0: there you go that's usually that's usually good for uh, good for content purposes but you, you're right you you hit the you hit the nail on the head the the chiefs 27-24 kick goes wide to end the game i mean Mahomes is just absolutely just I I don't really have words, really, because it's it's unbelievable. He's just like becoming the ultimate winner. And it's like I, I for a lot of my life I was on the wrong side of the Tom Brady uh bandwagon where I was like, oh, you know, as a Jet fan, I gotta see this guy. He's so obnoxious. This sucks about that team. I hate the Patriots. I hate this. I was on the wrong side for a while. I don't know what what flipped in what switch flipped in my head but I I did a total 180 on Brady and I told myself if I ever get the chance to hop on the bandwagon of a guy like this ever again I will hop immediately on the first train because I mean being just rooting for Patrick Mahomes and just seeing the the greatness that he is and the greatness that he he kind of presents in every sort of big game and every sort of big moment I mean let me let me let's start at the back end here right Let's just say the Bills make that kick, right? There's a minute 30 on the clock. You know damn well Patrick Mahomes is getting a field goal. You just know it. Like yeah. So to me, the, yeah, obviously the, the missed kick obviously ended the game. Obviously it was just a crusher for the Bills. But at the end of the day, if you want the truth of all truths, I think if the Bills make that kick, Mahomes storms right down the field, three timeouts, a minute 30, and they win that game on a kick anyway. Yeah, the game ended as soon as they didn't convert the third and 15, which
1: is something we saw converted in the game a couple times because anytime these two teams match up, they give us a classic. And this really was another one. I mean, even the drama of having, you know, fumbled the ball out the back of the end zone with the, the nasty touchback rule. I mean, we got one of those which worked into the Bills favor. So, I mean, the Chiefs were the better team. There's nothing to take away from the Bills here. I really thought they played a nice game too. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is just gatekeeping the Super Bowl from the rest of the AFC. (laughs) And that's something Tom Brady did for 20 years. And we really are seeing it again. I know it doesn't feel like that when you're living in it, when you're living in the history building. But, like, this is going to be a guy where we go, oh, Brady or Mahomes the same way we do MJ or LeBron. If he keeps it up for a little while more. I mean, no one's ever gotten off to a start like this ever. He's been in the last six AFC championship games.
0: It's it's absolutely absurd. And what was the stat that – was it you or Ryan sent today about uh, he has more AFC championships than Peyton Manning or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 really just insane. And it's, uh, you know, credit to him. And I think that, you know, for a lot of his, you know, earlier career, it was, all right, well, you know, the, the Mahomes haters would say, all right, well, he's got Andy Reid, who's just a great coach. He's got Tyreek Hill, who many would argue is the best receiver in football. He's got Travis Kelsey, who many would argue is the best tight end in football and just a great system that he's in. But I mean, looking at it now, you know, the, I don't think that Rashi Rice, tell me if I'm, please, please tell me if you disagree. I look at Rashi Rice and he's their number one guy by a, a wide margin on the outside. Right? I think that was established
1: he, like pretty recently.
0: And so, but tell me if I'm wrong here. He is no better than like Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed or any of those guys there on the Packers. He's, he's just about yeah. Guy. I would say right now,
1: you know, it's kind of a tough thing to call because you never really know. But uh, yeah, I would say it's about that.
0: Yeah, and and what Mahomes is doing with with that and that with with you know four for forty seven, not a great game, but I mean he's got Marquez Valdez Scantling right two for sixty two, a thirty two yard completion. I mean, these guys, he's hitting guys. It doesn't matter who they are. And it's its like unbelievable to a point where the only time I really ever said that about a guy was was Brady. And, you know, finding the West Welkers and finding the Julian Edelmans and finding, you know, Joe Schmo on the side of the road. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, Brady had Randy Moss for, you know, the best of the best Brady years. But just like Patrick Mahomes might have had Tyree Kill for the best of the best Mahomes years. But I think that, you know, obviously uh, Travis Kelsey had a monster game in this game. I think he's almost reaching like, you know, to say Gronk territory is a little bit weak to me, but he's he's almost one of those guys that he, he might just be a, a regular season coaster for the rest of his career where he's just going to – this year he took a step back per se, but, you know, you tell Travis Kelsey you need to win the game and you, you there's a lot on the line, like, you know, these next couple games will be. And I'm not stunned at all by the fact that Kelsey goes – Five for 75 with two touchdowns. Not the we kind one. Of, we were kind of calling that.
1: We were saying we expected him to kind of just turn it up in the playoffs like he always does.
0: Yeah, and, and another guy just want to give my hand here. I mean, what a game out of me Cole Hardman. Just tried his the best player for the Bills yesterday. What can you say? <laughs> Absolute best. I mean, I just he has-
1: proud that he represented the green and white in any fashion this year. Honestly, <laughs> proud that he was a member here. And then he goes on to do things like this in the divisional round.
0: One carry, negative one yard, two fumbles, one catch. I mean, what more can you say? He he.
1: That actually embodies the award that we give out.
0: It, it is, yeah, he's the poster boy now.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. the
0: Miko Hartman Award.
1: I think it, it was a really big trip watching this game after the Bucks lions because, like you mentioned, all those times Aiden Hutchinson running free – but there were times when someone would have a clear shot on Patrick Mahomes, and he just like poetically dances out of the way, runs up the field twenty-five yards to uh, Valdez Scantling. It, it's really like he's he's just kind of unbeatable. It almost feels like they weren't an eleven and five team this year. They they kind of I'm sorry, eleven and six now. I think we were down on the Chiefs several
0: times this year, and yep. I, I don't know how Mahomes keeps doing it. It's it's crazy, and w- w- is it nuts to say that this is the worst team that Mahomes has had around him? No, it 100 percent is. Yeah, I, and I I agree. It's it, it is, and like even even the staples, like I said, like even Travis Kelsey obviously has taken a step back, but in a big game, gotta have it. Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey at the end of the day. Um,
1: yeah, but let's, on let's- a day where we're celebrating the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, let me let me play devil's advocate a little tiny bit, and and you let me know. Um, if you think I'm onto something, this isn't technically my opinion or anything. I just want to play a little bit of the egg bugging or
0: not. That's the game.
1: Yeah. Uh, So, so last week, you know, we were both on the chiefs, even though we weren't sure we said, you know, maybe if this game was played in Miami, I don't, you know, who knows who would win that game and the chiefs, they, they kind of, they, they walk away with that one easily this week. I mean, the bills defense was extremely broken down. I know it's not something we're talking about because we're appreciating Patrick Mahomes right now. This is as banged up as the Bills' defense has been all season. And still, the Bills kind of kept up. Do we see the Chiefs as reestablishing themselves, or do we think they're closer to what we were seeing in the regular season and somehow the football gods have gotten Patrick Mahomes back to the AFC championship game based on weather, based on injury, anything like that? Do we think they're closer to what they were, or are are they a new group?
0: Well, uh, I think there's a couple of ways I can look at that question. I think that they're, I would, I would probably lean that they're closer to a new group, and my reasoning for that is kind of just what I said, where I think you tell Travis Kelsey that right. you know been here what's at stake, and he becomes just you know the old Travis Kelsey just instantly. And I think that when you're you know week eight against the Raiders in Las Vegas, you know on a short week. I think it's a lot harder for a Travis Kelsey to really do that. You know, you get what I'm saying there? So, but I'll take your, I'll take your, uh, I'll take your thought a a step further. Do you put any stock into the fact that the bills were absolutely just decimated on defense? What do you mean? Like they had so many injuries on defense. I think uh, that's what I I just said. That was my
1: whole point of me saying that Patrick Mahomes locked into winning this game because first, you know, the weather, then you go into the game with the Bills, where the Bills' defense is as defamated as they've ever been.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, a part of me, you know, I definitely. It, I'll put it this way: I'll, I'll answer that question for sure after this weekend. Because if they go play the Ravens and the Ravens continue to steamroll them, like they just steamroll every other team, then I'll say, yeah, they're obviously they just kind of got a little bit of a, a lucky draw. But for right now, I mean, as long as you got fifteen back there for the Chiefs, I think you're going to be in every single game, and I think that he's just that good and it's it it, it's tough for me to say whether they're they're closer to what you know the team that we wrote off or this team here now because at the end of the day I think Patrick Mahomes in in a winning situation like that is just a different beast yeah Uh,
1: I'd like to apologize to Mahomes for picking the bills in our podcast picks this week um how dare you listen Patrick Mahomes you ever play the bills again and you want to tune in I'm not, I'm not picking against it. It's never going to happen again.
0: <laughs> sorry. Until, sorry, until it happens. It's never going to happen again. Say it. Sorry, Patrick.
1: Sorry, Patrick.
0: <laughs> but all right. So enough, enough with the, the chiefs here. I, I want your honest opinion on the bills this year. Cause what a wild, wild season to look back on. I mean, we you got losing to the jets week one, they're kind of pseudo part of the jets injury uh, or the jets, downfall, I guess you could say, but they lose to the Jets. They get off to a terrible start. They get hot. They end up winning the division. They, they last longer than the dolphins, and then they lose to the, the chiefs again in a, in a very historically written fashion. You got all the Sean McDermott stuff in the middle of the season about whatever the hell happened there with the whole nine 11 nonsense. Yeah. What a season for the bills, right? Yeah, And that's not an impressive what a season No,
1: I mean, from start to finish. And I think Josh Allen showed me that their window is as long as he's there. And I think that his performance in the Chiefs game impressed me because we talked all year about, you know, leading the league in turnovers versus being able to do what Josh Allen does. Is it worth it? Blah, blah. Uh, He had a completely different game style against the Chiefs. So it's not like that's just who he is. Uh, And I think that he still won there. He won the division for the bills, you know, based on what he did all season. So they're safe with Josh Allen, but you start to look at just the constant coming up short. And where do you point the finger? If not the quarterback, is it the coach? Because I think people kind of revere him over there. They think he's done a a tremendous job with the bills, but you're coming up short again. I don't really know why. And I'm still a little bit concerned about Stefan Diggs. I think, It's a positive that we haven't heard from him yet because, you know, he is kind of notorious for things like that. But it kind of feels like maybe Josh Allen took things into his own hands at some point this year. And, you know, it wasn't about Stefan Diggs anymore getting him the ball. He was just going to be a regular part of the offense. I don't know how Stefan Diggs feels about that. I don't know how vital he is to the bills anymore. I don't really know what kind of work has to be done for the bills, but I'm more just in the stage of, if you're coming up short again, you have to point the finger at someone. Who is it?
0: Well, for so one thing for digs, I, I kind of I, I agree, and you know my argument with wide receivers has been for you know we had the Tyreek Hill conversation last time we, we were on, and obviously that seems seems to be a hot button topic in in many of my circles, but nonetheless, I I like receivers that in when the, when the game is on the line and the game is, you know, you, you need the third and seven, you need the third and six, it's fourth and three and you need the three yards. I, I need a guy to to just, I know is going to be there. And right now I'm not sure I could put digs in that conversation because not even just play wise, you know, play to play. I think digs is an exceptional receiver, but for whatever reason, whether it be scheme, whether it be, you know, just, you know, not being on the same page as Josh Allen or, maybe not just seeing eye to eye with the coaching staff or whatever the problem may be Diggs just consistently just doesn't get it done. And he had didn't get it done in this entire lack back half of the season. Bills were wildly successful. Josh Allen is great. Josh Allen is amazing. He's in my easily in my top five, if not top three quarterbacks in the league. But I mean, just like I said about Travis Kelsey, it's almost the exact opposite where, you know, you tell Travis Kelsey, you need the game and he's going to give you a game. You tell Stefan Diggs you need a game. I'm not sure you're going to get a game at a Stefan Diggs. And for that, you know, not. I don't want to sound like I'm in on Shark Tank, but for that reason, I'm out. Yeah, but I don't know. It was so recent that he was that guy. And
1: I I don't know. Maybe something did kind of change with the offense with Stefan Diggs because even Josh Allen today uh, during his sort of end of season press conference almost talked about Stefan Diggs in a past tense. Not to say that he wouldn't continue to be a Bill, but maybe just that this new role kind of is what it is now. Just the way that he said, you know, Stefani, he'll always be a brother. And, you know, I can't thank him enough for, you know, the things that he did for the offense and things like that. It just kind of came off a little past tense, in my opinion. But, yeah, I'm not really sure what goes on there. I, I haven't heard anything from Stefan things.
0: Well, to be honest, if it is, and again, this is not me saying for certain that I I know this is the case or this is what I can kind of watch and come, you know, bring my uh, attention to. But if it is this scheme, and they all of a sudden now want to run the ball and they want to run, you know, not not throw the ball around the field at all, and when they want to take their big shots, it's just kind of to whoever's open and not necessarily digs. I mean, then there's no way he's coming back. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. You know that—that's just. I mean, that—that that could be me reading just too too into it. But I mean, all the all the stuff about he, he's like he seems to be one of those diva receivers. And you know, when even when the team is winning, it's always like you know I want I want to get the ball. I want to get the ball. It's it's a it's a very interesting spot. But I think a lot of the you'd say that for the Bills, like you know, almost top to bottom. I mean, let let's start with the the most obvious play here, or not start, but I mean. Fake Let's begin right? the topic
1: of Chiefs Bills with this play right here.
0: <laughs> the 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 fake punt where what was it? Fourth and five was it? Or yeah. fourth and three?
1: Fourth and, fourth and three, I, I believe.
0: Fourth and three, and the most obvious potential fake punt scenario that you could think of, right? And you you run the fake punt to Damar Hamlin of all of all people, who not for nothing, is not a ball carrier. We'll just put it nicely. And if they get stopped, the game ends there, in my opinion. And our, or at least the, the, the momentum just totally just died down there. And to me, that's on McDermott just as much as it's on, you know, whoever my special teams coordinator, but it has to fall on McDermott. And, I mean, if you're going to go for that, right, why would you not let Josh Allen do it? Like, why would you not that's, let Stephon that's the Diggs whole thing. Yeah. If, if I'm Stephon Diggs and I see that play or if I hear that play be called, I might take off my, my helmet and shoulder pad and say, all right, you we know, don't. We obviously just don't want to win this game.
1: Yeah, no, that, that was kind of unbelievable. When, when you're in a position where you need three yards, you have Josh Allen. I really don't understand it. It didn't make any sense
0: to me whatsoever. It wasn't even a crafty play. Um, not at all. There are so many different ways that you could just upgrade that single play, right? How about you just don't give it to DeMar Hamlin? How about you just give it to a running back? Or how about you let Josh Allen go for three yards? Like, I mean, there was a play maybe two drives earlier where Josh Allen takes the ball on third and five, and he just runs forward for five yards, right? He gets hit at the line of scrimmage and falls forward and gets five yards. I mean, the way that game was going, if they lined up the offense, the Bills were going to get it. Like you just, you could just feel it. Like, like there was, I don't want to say there was no defense being played, but that was an offensive battle. And then you take the ball out of the offensive players' hands, all of the offensive players' hands, and you put it in DeMar Hamlin's hands. Like like you said, just
1: in a spot where the Chiefs are obviously just know and are being told, you know, obviously look out for a fake here. That would be like, like, imagine you're watching the Jets and, they're like, all right, we need a couple yards. We better get the ball into C.J. Mosley's
0: hand in space. Like, that's what yes. happened. Hold on a second. Even C.J. Mosley getting the ball there would have been a better call. Of course. You know, just in this, this simple fact of stature alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, It might have actually Allen... been outside.
1: Of... See, I was going to say outside of a kicker or a punter, it might have been the worst decision
0: of anyone to run the ball, <laughs> but they might be speedy.
1: A if the punter, punter
0: if the punter caught the snap and then I don't know if you've ever seen that play where the uh I forget what what punter it was it might have been McAfee um where he he catches the ball and just runs like instead of, instead yeah, of just a, we punter. used to run that in
1: high school our high school team would run that where like you know you kind of just run a little bit see if you have anything and if you if you don't you punt it
0: yeah yeah no th- even that would have been a better there like it, it was I was so frustrated watching that and you know obviously it's. They lose the game and they miss the field goal. Obviously, they make a field goal. maybe you get a little bit of a different story and we might maybe we forget about that play. But man, I mean, that is that's one of that has to be one of the absolute worst calls. And and look, I don't want to I'll say this too. I don't want to make the Chiefs seem like they played a perfect game, right? Because I thought the the Mikhail Harbin play where he fumbles it out of bounds. I mean, you need two yards. You got Pacheco absolutely just running wild. 97, 97 yards in the, the game He absolutely drove down the field You need two yards to get into the end zone And most likely put the game away And you you give an end around To uh, Nicole Harbin Who already fumbled I mean, yeah. it just made no sense and, and someone, I was listening to Bill Simmons today And he said that uh, That play, the end around Is like, you know, you know Think of all everything considered Like the teams, the situation That was a play that you and your stoned friend are playing Madden at two o'clock in the morning and you know that you're going to score a touchdown, but you're just trying to fuck around and you, you, you were calling end around with Miko Hardman. Yeah. Yeah. Chiefs bills in, in, in Buffalo, in the snow. Like that's like a, that's like a matchup that every Madden player in the last year has played. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true, but, uh, and then, yeah, there were just a couple of play calls that I thought were, were very strange in that game. Um, And then, you know, even, even you know, microcosm plays where, you know, maybe just an incompletion that just kind of falls incomplete that maybe goes undersung. But, you know, there was a play where uh, Josh Allen throws it deep to uh, – was it Trent Shurfield when he had the drop, I think it was. Any, anyone but On Diggs, Trent Shurfield. Yeah, exactly. that's the thing. Like, there's just so many little things in this game that were just – I don't know if it's the coaches trying to be too cute. I guess one might argue that. I don't know if it's just, you know, maybe they're they're kind of just getting – thinking about it too much maybe or like overthinking like oh well if we send digs here you're gonna drag over the safety and blah 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 like maybe that's it yeah but uh, to me if i think my you know my theme of the weekend maybe sometimes just the simple coaching is the best coaching what was that sometimes it's just, just simple coaching what? sometimes simple coaching is just the best coaching yeah i guess so like like if it's if it's Second and goal at the two, hand the ball off. It is not that hard. It, like Dan Campbell, right? Dan Campbell is – Yeah, I was just
1: going to say, yeah, the Lions are the team I look to when I think of, like, just just do what you're supposed to
0: do. Fourth and – first and goal at the five should be four straight handoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, unless you have an absolute money play that you know is going to work, it sh- you should be handing it off until you can't anymore. Yep. And, and, like, Dan Campbell is – I mean, I'll, I'll give props to him. He, of all the coaches this week that I was in, impressed or not impressed by, I was very, very impressed by the way Dan Campbell, uh, you know, finished at that, that game, got his team, made some good halftime adjustments there and, and really kind of just got their guys rolling in that environment there. So uh, I'll give props to him just as much as I'll rip Sean McDermott calling a, a fake punt with DeMar Hamlin. Yeah.
1: It's funny that so, we complained about – um, sort of like the game plan of the Lions and he, Dan Campbell, still gets the appendix Coach of the Week award.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're right. And it's, I, again, I don't even think it's like, like Andy Reid is obviously not a poor coach. John Harbaugh is obviously not a poor coach or, uh, you know, th- there's, there I don't think there is a poor coach in the playoffs, right? Yeah. But I think that there's certain times where some of these coaches just try and insert themselves into the game too much. Like, because if, if Andy Reid, you know, uh, if, if the fake punk works, we are all, all here saying that, wow, what a call by Sean McDermott. He really, you know, gutsy call. He really won them that game. It's the gamble. I, and I kind of respect it. But yeah. I think there's well, way better ways to gamble than that. Yeah, and God willing,
1: uh, the Jets will be able to bring a bad head coach into the playoffs next year. So that might be one of the first.
0: Yeah, well, you put that 50-50 shot that he coaches every game. So maybe, uh, maybe uh, Nathaniel Hackett might end up being that coach next year. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anything great. else, anything else on these games? Anything, we'll obviously get into a preview pod later on, but definitely want to hop on and just kind of talk some of the ins and outs of these games and whatnot. But anything else you got? Uh, No, not really. I mean, I had a chance to really not up the uh, the score there in terms of our picks, but the bills blew it. Yeah. You, you were on the bills. So you, you lose the two points there. Um, So that will, that leaves our score to being what you're down by how many? I have to I double check right that. now. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm pulling it up right now, but you, you're definitely down. I know that. Cause I, I was on the Texans yeah. as my one point play. So I lost one. And then if I had gotten wins. the bills game, I would have been down by one. Okay. So you, you lost one point this week cause you lost two points. So you, the score right now is you're 33 to my 40. Okay. But again, I, I go, I miss both these games this weekend and you win both these games this weekend. Uh, I think you know you'll you'll be in a healthy spot there for to make up for the uh, in the, in the Super it. Bowl, yeah, yeah. Whatever whatever the final pick, we'll call it. Yeah, but all right. Uh, if nothing else, thank you all for listening. We'll be back later on this week. We'll get into some of our uh, NFC AFC championship picks. We'll talk some Knicks. We'll talk some maybe some Mets Yankees news if that breaks through. And as always, thank you all for listening and peace out.